Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. With me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. We are again looking at a book titled The Infinite Atonement, written by Tad R. Callister. He uh, spent his career as a lawyer, but he did have positions in the LDS Church, and this book that he wrote is still very popular today. And that's the reason why we are looking at it, even though it was written way back in the year 2000. And as I mentioned in yesterday's show, this book is one of very few that was also published by Deseret Book in a leather binding, which shows that it does have some significance, at least it should have, if you're a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. One of the things that I think we should glean from this book is that Tad Callister certainly has no respect for what he understands Christians to have believed about the atonement. In fact, on page 15, he really takes a stab at what he thinks Christians believe about this topic. He writes, Sometimes it is difficult for us as members of the Church to distinguish between our beliefs in the atonement and those of the rest of the Christian world. Many of us grow up thinking that what we know and believe about the central doctrine is also what the world knows and believes, but it is not so. Wait, did you catch that? But it is not so for those Bible-believing Christians who are assuming, oh, there's not a big difference between what the Mormons believe and what we believe. Tad Callister just threw down the gauntlet. He's making it clear that what we believe is not what Mormons are supposed to believe. Go on. Without modern scriptures, particularly the Book of Mormon, it is extremely difficult, if not impossible, to grasp many of the basic tenets of the Atonement. Almost 2,000 years of Bible interpretation and the varied conclusions arrived at by many in the Christian world should be ample evidence of the need for additional scriptural insight. Now, I understand that Callister, being a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, is going to have a view of their written authority, their scriptures, as it were, would be, of course, much different than what we would think. While he is looking at Joseph Smith as being a prophet of God, we would look at Joseph Smith as being a false prophet. And certainly we would not look at the pronouncements of Joseph Smith when they conflict with what the Bible already reveals as being something of value. But I, again, I think it needs to be stressed. Callister is making it very clear on page 15 that he sees a significant difference between what his church teaches on this subject and what he views the rest of the Christian world as teaching on this important subject. But look at that next paragraph when he takes another dig at what we believe regarding justification. He writes, For many, the beautiful and deep doctrine of the atonement is summarily dismissed and placed on the back shelf with the facile response, Just believe and be saved. Wow, I would say that's what makes it so great. Yes. That Christ 
paid it all, that his sacrifice on the cross was all sufficient, making it unnecessary to add anything else to what he accomplished on the cross on the behalf of his people. But you see, in Mormonism, it wasn't an all-sufficient act on the part of Christ. There's still much more that needs to be added to what Jesus did. Jesus plus nothing, we would say, is enough to save mankind. He says to believe in what Jesus did on our behalf. Come believing. That is the emphasis that we find in the New Testament. Does the New Testament not also say that we should have good works? Yes, it does. But those good works come about after we are justified, after we have believed and been saved. And here I find Callister, of course, like many Latter-day Saints, is digging at that. And really what he does, he digs at it only to his own destruction. Because if you are going to say that you need Jesus plus your works, the next question then becomes, how many works, Mr. Callister? How many works must you do to finally receive the benefits of this atonement that you write about in this book? And these are the questions that we are asking throughout this series, because it is that area where we find a huge problem in the LDS view of the doctrine of atonement. When you read the Gospel of John, you are going to see in practically every chapter the stress on belief, on faith. Jesus talks about that over and over again. Listen to this passage in in John chapter 6 under the heading, Jesus, the bread of life. And this is uh, referring to the people who are questioning him. And they said, uh, when did you get here? In verse 26, he says, verily, truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs that were performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Verse 28, it says, they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And Bill, that's the beautiful thing about Christianity, because Jesus has paid the price. He paid it all. That's why the atonement means so much for us as believers. It's nothing that we do that gets us the gift of eternal life. It's what Jesus has done, and he's done all the work All we have to do is receive it. I wonder how many professing Christians who think that there's not a huge difference between Mormonism and Christianity would agree with this statement from Mr. Callister at the bottom of page 15, where he says, Satan has been successful in diverting much of the Christian world's attention from the one doctrine that can save us, the atonement of Jesus Christ, to the ancillary doctrines that have meaning only because they draw their sustenance from this redeeming event. Like a skilled magician, Satan's every move is to divert our attention and dilute our focus from the primary object at hand, namely Christ's atoning sacrifice, in hopes we will turn exclusively to doctrines of secondary and far lesser import. Would you think that he's talking about us, Eric? I mean, is he talking really about most Christians? I, I find that most Christians place an extreme amount of importance on the doctrine of the atonement of Christ and his sacrifice for us on the cross. I, I think here he's developing what we would call the logical fallacy of a straw man argument. 
And it might sound good for him and his readers to feel like they can thump their chest and say, hey, we've got it all in those poor Christians out there. You know, we're university. They're just high school level. But the fact is, all we really have coming from the LDS Church are a lot of the pronouncements made by Joseph Smith, who Mormons, I know, believe is a true prophet of God. But in fact, because he conflicts with many of the teachings in the Bible, only proved himself to be a false prophet. The name of Jesus is certainly found on the LDS Church name, but at the same time, which Jesus are we referring to? I think when it comes to Christ's atoning sacrifice and then the doctrines of secondary and far less import, I think the Mormon Church more stresses the secondary issues, such as temples, such as what you have to do in getting baptized. How about word of wisdom? These are the secondary issues. If you go to the average LDS chapel on a Sunday morning, I bet there might be very little said about what Jesus has done for us, and perhaps more of a stress on these secondary issues. Or on what you have to do in order to gain all these benefits. On page 16, I want to touch on this, because he gives the story of the swimmer, Florence Chadwick. What does he say under the heading, A Source of Faith and Motivation? Some might wonder what difference it makes whether or not they understand the atonement as long as they believe and accept its consequences. Such a need is illustrated by an experience of Florence Chadwick as shared by Sterling W. Sill. It was July 4, 1952. Chadwick, who had previously swum the English Channel, now attempted the 21-mile swim from the Southern California mainland to Catalina Island. The water was a freezing 48 degrees. The fog was thick and visibility almost nil. Finally, only a half mile from her destination, she became discouraged and quit. The next day, reporters clamored around her asking why she had quit. Had it been the cold water or the distance? It proved to be neither. She responded, I was licked by the fog. She then recalled a similar experience while swimming the English Channel. Evidently, the fog was likewise engulfing. She was exhausted. As she was about to reach out for her father's hand in the nearby boat, he pointed to the shore. She raised her head out of the water just long enough to see the land ahead. With that new vision, she pressed on and became the first woman to conquer the English Channel. But he goes on to say in the next paragraph, that story teaches a magnificent principle. With increased vision can come increased motivation. So it is with the atonement. As our vision of the atonement is enhanced, our motivation to embrace its full effects is proportionately increased. Does it not seem to us, when reading that, that he is definitely saying there is something that the individual Mormon must do? Now, here's the problem. When we talk about this same type of analogy of swimming, I've often used the the analogy of swimming from San Diego to Hawaii. A Latter-day Saint might be able to swim much farther than I can and have much more swimming ability that I will ever have. But the fact is, folks, we are both going to drown if that's the attempt we're going to try and make. Now, when this person is told to look at the land ahead, I would say even if I could see the land, it's still way too far for me to swim that distance. That's the analogy we've often used with many Latter-day Saints. The things that they must do, and to do it consistently, is something that we have found in our personal experience when talking with members of the LDS Church that they themselves admit they're not doing. None of them are doing it. And when you ask them, well, do you think you're going to accomplish it in this lifetime? Some will say, well, maybe when I get older, 
But let's be serious. If you can't do it when you're younger, what makes you think you're going to do it when you're older? In other words, this story really makes no sense when the distance they are supposed to be swimming is something that they could never physically do in the first place. And that seems to be lost on Mr. Callister when he's telling this story. It might sound like a great motivational story to tell a group of people, but in our experience, folks, when we talk to real Mormons on real streets about where they are in reality, many of them don't look at it as, well, that's something I can do eventually and I will accomplish it. Many of them realize it's something that they've never done yet and they never will do. And even if they could do it for a short period of time, they most certainly will not do it consistently. And therein lies the problem, once again showing that the LDS view of the atonement and what is necessary in order to receive the benefits of this atonement are something that the average Latter-day Saint is never going to be able to accomplish. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism. All of us at Mormonism Research Ministry want to wish you and yours a joyous Christmas season as we remember the miraculous birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, who came into this world to save his people from their sins. If Viewpoint on Mormonism has been a blessing to you, would you consider a generous year-end gift to help further the efforts of Mormonism Research Ministry? Please know that your tax-deductible gift to MRM is very much appreciated, and we humbly thank you for your kind support.